We're in the third week, and we've been taking a look at the areas of our lives that uh, are somewhat dirty, need to be cleaned out, need to have more focus and attention given to them. We just believe that it's what you do with the corners of your life, these areas that you're not paying much attention to, that are probably the greatest contributing factors to your happiness, your success, your growth, and your sense of peace, that sense of peace you have when you lay your head on the pillow at night to go to sleep. And we've been talking about this, that, hey, 2017 can be a different year for you. It can be the best year, not because there's anything magic about 2017. I haven't found any book and verse that's 20 verse 17 that says anything like that. I just think it comes down to choices that we make. There's a a quote we've been using to frame this series, and it's this. We never rise to the level of our expectations, but we always fall to the level of our training. Let me say it again. You never rise to the level of your expectations. You always fall to the level of your training. What's that mean? We can't wish change into being. We can't wish success. We can't wish growth. I can't wish my love handles would disappear, right? I can't, I can't wish there was more money in my bank account. I actually have to change. I've got to change my behavior. I've got to change my habits. And I, I encouraged you the first week, and I'm going to encourage you again. Hey, let 2017 be a year of no excuses, all right? I ain't going to blame anybody else. I'm not going to blame anything else. If I don't accomplish what I set out to accomplish, I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. I think we're only as successful as we want to be. We only change as much as we want to change. So, hey, let's give God our best. Let's give ourselves our best because he gave us the very best in the person of Jesus. And let's clean out some of these corners in our life, okay? So here's what we looked at so far. First one was the spiritual corner. Perhaps I think the most important corner is the spiritual corner. I gave you three things you could do on a daily basis to grow in this area. That was spend time in prayer. Number one, pray. I pray every day. What do I pray? If you don't know what to pray, I said, here, pray the 23rd Psalm and pray the Lord's Prayer. That'll take you less than five minutes every day and you can pray. Have a plan. What's your goal? On the back of every note sheet is your goal for what we're talking about. Secondly, I said, read. Read your Bible every day. I don't care if it's just a verse, but read God's word for your life every single day. Make a plan. Make a priority. Here's the third one. Speak. Speak what? Speak God's word over your life. You can't speak God's word if you don't know God's word. That's why you got to read God's word. I mean, you can't wish it that you knew it. Just read it. Okay, it's there. Have a plan. Then you can speak it, right? You can declare God's promises over your life. What God says about you and your identity and your emotions and your situation. I, I guarantee you, you begin to declare and rehearse what God says about you. It'll change you declaring and rehearsing what you say about you, what someone else says about you, what you think about you. Try it if it doesn't work then come see me, and I'll, I'll point you right in the back, back in the right direction, all right? Here's the second thing we talked about last week was our physical corner. That was on, put that out online. If you didn't watch that, I encourage you to go do so. We talked about honoring God with our bodies. You know, we are, we are created by a creator. We're not simply the product of <clears throat> random chance and just scientific happenings. We're created by a creator. He gave us this body. He even goes so far as to say we don't own it. It's his right? And this body is the temple or the house of God's presence. And Paul says, so honor God with your bodies. And I said, hey, here's three simple things you can do to honor God with your body. Eat well. We're going to eat to live, not live to eat, right? We're going to have a plan. How do I want to eat? What am I going to put in my body that's going to help me be healthy and have more energy? So eat well. Number two was sleep well. Get some sleep. 
right? More than three or four hours. Well, I don't need eight. That's fine. Get at least six. You can't work all the time. You got to rest. And when you rest, you'll be more productive. God wants you to rest. He created you to rest. Okay? Rest, sleep well. Here's number three. Was move well. Exercise. Get out. Get the heart pumping. Get, you, get some sweat going. Maybe you have an active job and you get plenty of exercise. That's great. I don't. I'm sedentary. That's my job. Right? I need to move better. And I said, have a plan, right? How often do you want to exercise? When do you want to exercise? Don't just go to the gym and stare at the stuff and sweat thinking about it, right? Just get out there and, and do it. And you can honor God with your body. That's simple. Eat well, sleep well, move well, okay? Well, today, I want to, here's the third corner. Um, and uh, you're probably not going to be super excited about it, but it's so important. That's our financial corner. And everybody said, Amen. oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, ah, you know. Our financial corner. Uh, how, how many of you say, I want to be more successful financially? Yeah. I don't mean I, don't mean I want more money, because we all want more money, right? If I said, who wants more money? Both hands would be up. How much? However much you want to give me, right? I'll take it. I, I'm thinking about it like this. I want to be more successful in managing and stewarding the money that I have, right? The amount that I have. I think often our prayer when it comes to finances with God can be, Lord, if you could just give me more right? If I could just get a raise, if I could just get a better job, if I could just find a scratcher's ticket on the ground that somebody dropped, that maybe, you know, wealth of the wicked should come to the righteous, and I'm righteous, Lord, I need more money, you know? That's our prayer. God, give me, give me more, right? And that that, would seem to solve a lot of our problems, but let let me just ask you this. Let me consider this. If I can't manage what I have, then why would God give me more? If I can't handle whatever I have now, what makes me think I can handle more? T.D. Jake says this, that money only makes you more of what you already are. If you're a jerk broke, you're going to be a bigger jerk rich. It's the truth. If you're, if you're foolish with little, you're going to be foolish with more. More does not solve the issue. More makes the issue worse. Right? And God doesn't withhold things because he's angry, because he's stingy, because he's, he's mean. He withholds things because he wants us to grow, because he always has our best intention at, at hand. So maybe, maybe you do need more. Maybe it's an extenuating circumstance and you need more. I don't know. But I would venture to say the majority of us in this room, myself included, could just stand to do a little bit better managing the money that we have. That maybe when we think about being more successful financially, we can say, I, my goal this year is to be a better manager of my money. How exciting does that sound, right? Not very, I know, right? I, I want to be a better steward of my money. People are like, go for it, brother. I want more, you know? <clears throat> so I, that's what I want to talk about today is just being better with money because here's the thing. Money's powerful. It is. Money is so powerful. It's so influential. You know, money is for us has been a great source of happiness and and achievement and and success and and even power, right? And freedom. I can go get what I want. But on the other hand, money is like uh, stressful and and, and and I'm, I'm depressed and I'm angry and I'm just at my wit's end and money has destroyed relationships. In fact, it's the biggest cause of divorce in North America today is money. Money's powerful, right? And, and here's the thing. You will either control your money or your money will control you. You will either control your money or your money will control you. But money in and of itself is simply just a resource. It's just a tool, right? And every resource and every tool demands to be stewarded, demands to be managed. 
Some of us don't quite know what to do with it. I, how many of you have ever used a power tool that you've never used before and you picked it up and you didn't realize how much power it had and within seconds you were fearing for your life? <laughs> I, I was in, uh, on a missions trip a few years ago and, and when I go, they just say, hey Josh, you speak Spanish, why don't you stick to that, okay? Um, or if you don't know the language, just, just try to figure it out, all right? We got this. Well, I, they needed my help and so they handed me a block saw. Anybody ever used a block saw, like a concrete saw? This big old Bosch powered electric saw and his guy's like, I need you to cut these, you know, make U-joints. And I'm like, what's a U-joint? And he said, well, make the block look like a U. And I said, oh, okay, I can do that. And uh, so I get this saw and, I, and, I, and it's, it is the most disproportionate distributed weight, right? Like the front is super heavy. The back is just like this and it doesn't, I mean, and I got that saw in there and, and I, it turned, right? And then the block went this way and the saw went this way. And I was just glad that my leg wasn't there. And I just, you know, just kind of put it down and, 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 uh, I made a Z joint, not a U joint. And, uh, finally the, the guy who was laying blocks came down and said, let me show you how to use this. And so he showed me how to use it, and, and, and I, I screwed up about 10 blocks. But after that, I got pretty good. The problem was is I didn't know how to manage it. I didn't know how to steward the power that was in that block saw because it was pretty powerful. Once I learned how to focus that, I got better at it. I was dog tired the next day. But I, I learned how to do it. And I think that's, that's what sometimes our money is. And, and I just kind of want to give you three things today that can help you cut the financial blocks a little bit better. How's that? And they, I mean, these things are simple. There's nothing profound to what I'm going to say today. In fact, you've heard it all before. It's old hat. But I think sometimes it's the most simple, uh, you know, things that we overlook and we, we put aside because that's like, oh, that's old-fashioned wisdom. But, man, that produces so many profound results, right? So here's the three things. Here's the first one we'll talk about today. And that is, how do I, how do I get better financially? Give some. Give some. You say, well, my, that's not what I thought you were going to say first. Give some, Right? <laughs> Yeah, give some. Why, why would you talk about giving money first? Why wouldn't it be saving? Why wouldn't it be spending? Because I really like to spend. That's giving, right? And I'm giving it to a, a company. No, give some. You know, all throughout the Bible, <coughs> excuse me, the Bible talks a lot about money anyway. And you're like, why? Does God need my money? Does he want my money? No, no. He just knows that, you know, money could control us unless we learn to control it. And God wants us to be successful and he wants our heart. He wants us. And he talks about money a lot. But one of the biggest commands or admonishments about money that God gives is to give. He says, give. More, more often than not with money, he's talking about giving money. Give. You say, well, well, why is that? Because at his core, God is a giver. Back in October, we did a six-part series into November talking about the, the, the blessed life. And if you've missed that, go, go on and watch it. Maybe you need to watch it again. We dug deeper into this, so I'm not going to go that deep this morning like we did over those six weeks. But that God is a giver. That, that's who he is. It's his nature. It's, his, it's a character, quality, and trait. It's woven into the fabric of who God is. He gives. And we're never more like God than when we give. God demonstrated his generosity to humanity in the most profound way. John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Gave what? His only son. His most precious possession that he had was Jesus and he gave it to humanity. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. God is a giver. We come into relationship with God by receiving the gift that he gave. So God, true to his nature, true to his character, when admonishing us what to do with the most potentially powerful resource, influential resource we have, he says, I want you to first give it. 
I want you to treat money first with an open hand and not a closed fist. God is not saying to do something that he did not first do. We, we demonstrated that. God is one of those people that he will never ask you to do something that he didn't first do. And secondly, that he doesn't empower you to do. If you want to be successful financially, determine in your heart right now to be a giver. Determine in your heart right now to be generous. Nobody prospers financially being closed-fisted and stingy. Doesn't happen. You know, we are a very blessed nation. We give more money per capita than almost any country in the world. In fact, you know, Bill Gates, probably the richest man in the world, he, he and other billionaires have signed a contract to give away just like, I think it's like 90% of their wealth or something like that. These dudes are, man, they're, they're, they're so blessed, but they're givers. They give and they give and they give. And you're like, yeah, they only give for tax purposes. Whatever, they give. They are doing more good around the world with the resources that God has given them. Why? They learn how to manage and steward money, and it goes through them. Because if God can get money through you, he'll get it to you. He will. He will. Let me just show you what he says in, in, in Deuteronomy. I'm going to share three scriptures with you today about giving, but here's the first one. Deuteronomy 15, verse 10, God says, hey, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Hey, give generously to the poor. Don't do it begrudgingly, and God will bless you in everything that you do. Hey, these are, this is God's word to his, his people, right? These are his instructions, his admonishments. They're not his suggestions. Okay? They're not his, his, hey, I want you to consider this. Now, God is saying, hey, if you want to be successful, if you want to be my people, then you need to give generously to those who are poor around you. Don't do it grudgingly, but give generously. And then what he says on the back end, hey, and, and I'll bless you when you do this. Number one, we give because God says to do it. And it is an act of obedience. Uh, giving is an act of declaration saying that, God, you're my provider. You own everything. If it's true, if, if the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, then everything comes from him and everything that comes from him to us is his given to us to steward that he is our source, not our job, not the government, not anything else or anyone else but God. So when I give, I'm being obedient and I'm declaring, God, you're my source, not anything else. And here's what he says. Number two, hey, I, I will bless you. There is a blessing associated with giving. Now, we don't give to get, right? That's not our main motivation. God, if I, if I give, then you'll give me. No, 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 no. That's not, can't be our motivation. But I'm telling you, it's a principle. It does work. When you are generous, God is generous to you. I'm not saying he's going to make you filthy rich, okay? I'm not talking about that stuff. But I am saying when you live a generous life, it just, it, it, it comes back. It reciprocates back to you. God is generous to you. When you act like God, and you're never more like God than when you give, that's what happens. You'll be blessed. Here's what he then says this in just a, a chapter later. Deuteronomy 16, verse 17. All must give as they are able, according to the blessings given to them by the Lord your God. All must give. So first he's saying, hey, give generously and I'll bless you. Now he's saying, hey, you must give. Don't you wish he said should or, or just, just consider. It's an idea. No, no, no. Must. Now, I, 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 I accept the fact that it's scripture, but in my humanity, I say, well, God, you know, I'm, I'm the king of my own castle, right? It, it, this is my domain here, God. This is my money. This is kind of the, what I said. We, we give and it's a declaration that God is first in our life. We're being obedient to him. We may be managing our life, but it's just that. It's God's life too. He created us. 
And in giving is that declaration of saying, God, you are first in my life. You're not an accessory in my life. You're not something that I run to when I need help, and I pretty much got it figured out. But God, you're like my, my financial and wisdom guru here, okay? No, 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 God, you're, you're first. You're the Lord of my life, and I am, I am under subjection to you, not out of fear, but because you saved me in Jesus. You created me. You loved me. You got my best in hand. I, I, putting you first in my life. Every act of obedience to God, not just financially, is a declaration of God's firstness in your life, so to speak. God, God is the ultra competitor. He will always be first, one way or another. And I'm competitive too. I want to be first, but God will always be first. It's just much easier to declare that he is first. But love, he says, hey, give as you are able, according to God's blessings for you. And I'm saying here, we're going to give some. I'm not saying give everything. I'm not saying when you, you get your paycheck, just say, yep, God, this is yours. Woof, throw it away. No, I'm not saying that. Give some. Let me, let me ask this question. How should we give? Now, I don't mean the mechanism by which we give. I want to talk about the attitude by which we give. Now, we covered tithing and, and all of that back in, in earlier on, and, and we believe in tithing and give 10% and, and all of that. Go back and watch that message, and you'll hear us talk about it more. But I'm going to talk about the attitude, the posture with which we give. When we come to give, whether it's here, whether it's online, whether it's texting, whether whatever the case may be, how should my attitude be? Paul addresses that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Some people think giving is an Old Testament thing, but it's all throughout the Bible because it's who God is. Here's what Paul says in writing to the Corinthian church. Hey, you must each decide in your heart. There's that must word again. Okay, You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Paul's telling us how. And I love this. First, he says, hey, decide in your heart to give. Giving is a decision we make, not an emotion we feel. Let me say that again. Giving is a decision we make, not an emotion we feel. I don't give because it makes me feel good. I mean, that's a good benefit. I don't give because I'm, I feel guilty. I don't give because I'm afraid if I don't give that my transmission's going to fall out, my air conditioner's going to go out, my kids are going to get sick, and all that junk that we've heard for many years. No, I give because I've decided in my heart to give. I've thought about it. I've used the brain that God gave me. God wants you to use your brain. He gave you that brain. He wants you to think about it. He wants you to consider it. He wants you to know that you have made this decision to give. Now, it's kind of difficult at times to want to give, right? I want to keep. I want to hold on. I want to to, to spend my money the way I want to spend my money. But God is saying, decide in your heart. All of this is, is, is in the context of what he's done for Jesus, and that he's gave us his very best in Jesus. So decide. And he says, hey, don't even do this under pressure. What that mean? That means if I were to show you some video of starving kids with gnats all over their face and saying, would you give today? Would you give today? He'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm crying. And here, here you go. That's emotional giving. Is it wrong? Not necessarily, but you haven't decided in your heart what you want to give. You've been pressured to give in some way. We did the the kids thing here. We raised over $85,000, and I hope that none of you gave out of pressure. I just asked you to consider what is it that God would have you do and decide in your heart and then do it. If you feel pressure, don't give. If you feel like your emotions are all out of whack, don't give. If you really do want to give to that thing that was there, I'm pretty sure you can just do it the next day or whenever. 
when you've thought about it and considered it. Don't you? I, I don't know about you, but that, that's good news. Because giving is not an emotion I feel, it's a decision I make. And Lord, help me make the decision to give. Help me to be intentional. And then he says this, but don't do it reluctantly or grudgingly. What's that mean? Don't be angry. Don't be a curmudgeon, right? Don't be like, well, bless God, I'm giving my money and I don't want to give my money. And nah, 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 nah. You know what I mean? And you write out that check and you're, you know, your face is on fire and you're just like, God did this. And if I don't give and then my wife and my husband, and you're, you're just so angry about it. I, I think in those cases, God would almost rather you not. It's because I say that because of the last statement he makes for God loves a cheerful giver. Everybody say cheerful. That word cheerful in the Greek is the word hilaros, where we get our English word hilarious. Think about that. God loves a hilarious giver. God wants giving for us to be something that we just think is so much fun that when we give, we can hardly contain ourselves and we just like laugh or we have such amusement. We don't even really know what direction to force. It's just like, God, I get to give and this is so incredible. And you're like, woo. And I know none of you are like, I didn't feel that this morning. But that's the extent to which giving can be that cheerful. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. God wants a, a cheerful giver. Now, I know that in and of ourselves, we, we can't make ourselves get to that point where it's like, God, make this so hilarious for me. You know, I, some of us, you might, I don't really find too many things in life hilarious anyway, much less parting with my money. Okay. But say, God, you know, help me. Help me get to this point where I want to give. Help me to be cheerful about giving. God, where I said, God, I just, I'm so thankful. Man, you've given me all of this, and this is just a small token. I want to give it back to you and declare that you're Lord of my life, and Jesus is the head, and God, you're first, and, you know, thank you so much. And I know you're going to bless me, but God, even if you didn't, you already blessed me so much in the person of Jesus, and here you go. You get to that point, and you say, well, how, how do I feel it? Hey, don't wait to feel it. I kind of like to say this. Just fake it till you make it. Just like, just be obedient. Obedience isn't a feeling, it's an action. And what's going to happen is, is that you're going to do it, and you may be a little bit begrudging about it, but you made it in your heart, you decided to give. What's going to happen is, is your emotions are going to come in line with that truth. Don't ever wait to feel truth, because truth doesn't often have a feeling. Truth is truth. Our truth is not relative to our emotions. Truth is not defined by our emotions. Truth is And what will happen is your emotions will eventually come in line with the spirit of God and the truth. And then you may feel it, right? That's what will happen. Let truth lead the way and your emotions will follow. If emotions follow, truth is going to be, who knows where. We live in a culture, though, that we we just think if it feels good, it is good. that, That doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel like the truth. So it's probably not. Truth is relative in our culture. We know that it's not relative, but... That's what we've been told. There's no such thing as absolute truth. It's all relative. And if I don't feel like it, I don't do it. And man, that is, I don't know about you, that appeals to my, my humanity, but there could be nothing further from the truth. So God loves a, a person who, who gives because they decided in their heart. They're not doing it reluctantly. They're not doing it under pressure. And they are a cheerful or hilarious giver. Crazy, huh? Make that a thing of prayer. On the back of your notes, it has a, a goal. What's your giving goal? Don't write more. Maybe don't write more, okay? Because that's not a goal. That's just a wish, okay? I want to give more. What's that mean? I don't know, but it's more. 
Right, think about it. What, what's my giving goal? Where do I want to start? What do I want to do? God, how do you want me to, to give? Maybe, God, I want to be more cheerful as I give. I want to, I want to and here's my plan to, to do that. And whatever the case may be, what's your giving goal? That leads us to the second thing, which is spend some. The first was give some, excuse me. God, I can't get to spend some. It's save some. Sorry, I let you down. I let you down. It's save some. Number two is save some. And, and I know that saving money is just, oh, nobody's excited about that. Because you mentioned saving money and you automatically feel like you're, you're not getting something. Saving money is like delaying gratification. And who wants to delay gratification? Because if I want what I want, I'm going to get what I want. And if I, don't, if I don't have the money for it, it don't matter. I just go get somebody, I'll borrow somebody else's money, right? I just got this piece of plastic in my wallet. I can get whatever I want whenever I want. Save money. We, we were in Mexico one time in, on a mission trip, and we went to the market. And we were walking to the market, and there was a guy standing outside of his store. And you know, when you go in those markets, they're all trying to get you to come in their store. And he's standing there, he goes, hey, 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 won't you come to my store? He said, you can buy now, pay later. He said, don't worry about it. I take Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express. You buy now, you pay later. It's okay. That's what, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, which, you know, that's what we do in America. We buy now, we pay later. It's all good. I, I don't have the money. Doesn't matter, man. Just buy now. Pay later. And boy, do we pay later. That washer was 300 bucks. I paid $700 for it by the time it was all done. We buy now. We pay later. We don't want to delay our gratification. I want to just submit to you that what if we lived under a different rally, rallying cry and it was, I'm going to save now and buy later. How exciting is that? You don't have to fake it, right? I'm going to save now, and I'm going to buy later. I'm going to delay my gratification. I'm going to decide to not let my emotions dictate my spending. I'm not going to manage my, emotion, my, my money emotionally. I'm going to manage my money logically and spiritually. I'm going to save now. I'm going to buy later. I think that when it comes to saving, it's really, it's toggling our mindset between short-term thinking and long-term thinking. We live in a short-term society. If you want it, get it now. It doesn't matter. You need it, right? You need the latest whatever. You know, whatever it is you need. That's what they tell us. I saw, I saw a, a, um, an advertisement the other day for iPhone, and I'm an iPhone user, and it was on AT&T's website. It said, iPhone 7 is happiness. <laughs> yeah. Is happiness, $45 a month. iPhone 7S is more happiness. iPhone 8 is better happiness. I'm never happy because I don't have what they're putting out. But that's what our culture is telling us. Whatever it may be, Dodge Ram truck is happiness. Bigger house is happiness. You know, pool in the backyard is happiness. You can't pay for it, ain't going to be happy. You're not going to be happy because you're going to be stressed out about all the stuff you got. Then you got to buy stuff to take care of the stuff and, you know, it's just stuff. That's, but that's what we're told. Short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. There was a father who was pretty wealthy and he went to his sons and he, he asked them a question. He said, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have a million dollars today or I'm going to give you a penny today and I'm going to double that penny every day for the next 30 days. What do you want? One son said, yeah, you guys, some of you guys know it. Don't ruin it for me, okay? Or everybody else. Right? <laughs> One said, I'll take the million today, right? Give me the million. The other son chose the penny. Now, here's the thing. If you take that penny and you double it every day for 30 days, at the end of 30 days, you're going to have over $10 million. You're like, hey, that don't work. That's what I thought. 
So what I did is I took out a piece of paper and a calculator, and I did the math, and I did it 30 times, and it came out to one point something to the ever something power, and I divided that by 100 because there's 100 cents in every dollar, and it came out to be $10 million. And then I went on YouTube and Google, and I found out if people had talked about it, and they had charts and stuff. So it really does work. If you, want, if you just want to turn off your, you know, pay attention to me and do it on the paper right now, you can. But yeah, hey, give me the million today. Or in 30 days, one penny every day doubled to $10 million. The power of compounding. The power of, let's just say, long-term thinking. What if you begin to think long-term about your finances and about your life and then had about saving money? What if it wasn't about iPhone 7 is happiness, and it was about, this is how I want to retire. This is what I want to leave to my kids. This is when I want to pay off my house. This is the kind of vacation I want to take. Hey, this is what I want to do for the kingdom of God. And you plan for it, and you, and you think about it. You delay gratification. Because here's the thing. Pleasure will always cost you. Legitimate pleasure you pray, pay for on the front end. Illegitimate pleasure you pay for on the back end. You're always going to pay one way or the other. It's just how do you want to pay for it? Here's what... Let me get to scripture so you think that, the, you know, this isn't just my opinion. All right. Here's what the, the wisest and one of the most wealthiest person and people in all, most wealthy people in all of history had to say about money. Here's Solomon. He said this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The wise have wealth and luxury. Those who save now and buy later have wealth and luxury, but fools, those who buy now and pay later, spend whatever they get. As if to say... The wise have wealth and luxury because they're not foolish. And fools don't have wealth and luxury, not because they don't have money, but because they spend everything they get. Our culture, we spend like $1.26 for every dollar we make. And if you haven't figured that out, that's negative. That's 26 cents more than you make. Every, every dollar we make, we're spending more than we make. It just doesn't work out. We're, we're being foolish. I think when it comes to saving money, there's really no nice way to say it. It's really the difference between are you going to be wise or are you going to be foolish? Are you going to be wise or are you going to be foolish? And it's just the decision to make. And like I said at the beginning, there are extenuating financial circumstances, okay? And if you're in one of those, take no offense. But this is just across the board, majority of the time, saving money. And you may not be able to save a lot of money, but... Decide in your heart, I'm going to be wise. And wealth and luxury, those terms, we can define those. And and your definition of wealth and luxury is different than the next person. And I'm not saying if you save money, then you're going to be filthy rich. But I'm just saying you're going to have more. You're going to be more at peace. You're going to be more prepared for what life throws at you because life always throws some things at you. Always. Earlier on in in that chapter, here's what Solomon said. He said, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I hear good planning and hard work and automatically think, well, that's not for me, huh? (laughs) But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. What are hasty shortcuts? Get rich schemes. I got a phone call the other day, just like one of those numbers. Have you noticed what telemarketers are doing? They're tricking us. They're no longer using 1-800. They're using like our area code. So you think it's somebody you know. It's like Kirkwood, Missouri. Oh, I know somebody in Kirkwood. You know, I don't know. And it was, hello, you've been selected to work for Amazon. You could make $400 a day. You don't even have to leave your home. You don't have to get out of bed. All you have to do is have a phone. You don't even need a computer. I'm like, oh, I don't have to have anything. I can make $400 a day. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, right. You know, we're looking for that thing, you know, that's just going to make us more money. I'll just sell this or I'll just do this. And, and it's like, when it comes down to it, old fashioned, call it that if you want. Good planning, hard work, lead to prosperity. Have a plan. How much money you want to save? 
work hard, be consistent, put a little away, a little by little by little by little, compounds and compounds. And after you've delayed some gratification, you've got more than you ever thought. Why? Because you just worked hard and you planned. Man, how non-exciting does that sound? (laughs) Right? Now, you think they could sell something where they said, hard work is happiness. Be like, I ain't buying that. (laughs) Right? No, but I mean, it's just... It's simple. It's profound. It stood the test of time. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Buying now and paying later lead to poverty. They don't lead to prosperity. They don't lead to these things we really want. We don't really desire to be in the financial positions we're in. We've just been so inundated in, in, by our culture that we think that's how it has to be, but it's not always that way. Let me just encourage you. Make a plan to save money. Make a plan. It's harder at times to save money because the accessibility to money, whether it's ours or not, is just always there. You know, I worked for Sears in college. Okay, I was like 18, 19, 20 years old, 100% commission, selling appliances. I lived in a dorm. Okay, and before I lived in the dorm, I lived in my parents' house. I never bought an appliance and nothing of that. I barely used an appliance. Okay, when I was selling appliances, people are coming in, they're buying stuff. And they're like, we had these deals. And they're like, you know, how do you want to pay for this today? Well, I want to open a Sears card. So we open a Sears card. Well, hey, you don't have quite enough to get this. Well, well, hey, don't worry. I got another card you can open. So they open another Sears card. I opened like three cards for some people to buy stuff. And they'd have to, they'd have to pay for it right away. It didn't matter. They had like no payments for a year. So it's like, hey, I got free stuff for a year. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. You know? And uh, it's just amazing. And I felt guilty at times. Am I like, man, am I, am I being, do I have a moral obligation to tell them not to do that? But if I do that, then I don't get paid. And the more cards they open, the more money I make. And it's just, whatever. You know, it's just crazy to think that that's, that's what it is. And I've been guilty of that too. I mean, I grew up in this culture. I'm not a saint in this. I need some improvement in all of this. And um, I forgot where I was going. So, <laughs> no, have a plan. There we go. Have a plan. it's the medicine it's the medicine now i have a plan it's difficult at times to say but it's i think even easier now to say with technology you can just have it do it for you you don't even have to think about it you can schedule it right you get paid on wednesday so much comes out on thursday i'm going to save two percent one percent three percent i don't know there's there's things that let you save the change if you spend three dollars and 68 cents at the store it'll save you know the 32 cents for you Put it in a bank account. Just little things. You can make a decision to save money. You can set it and forget it and let it save for you. And it's a plan. Make a plan. What's your goal? How much do you want to save? How much, what do you want to prepare for? Do you want to take a vacation? Do you want to do something nice for your kids? I don't know. Have a goal and save for it. Because that comes to the third point, which is spend some. Now we can all take a deep breath. He's going to let us spend money. Uh, you know, spend some. Yeah, enjoy your money. I'm not going to tell you what to buy. I don't care what you buy. It's none of my business what you buy. I don't know how much money you have. Again, that's not any of my business. I don't even know how much you give. I don't look at that stuff. I don't know what any one person gives here in this church. That's all between you and God. But have a plan for how you spend your money. Think about things that you enjoy and that you want to do and, and spend some money on it. But have a plan. I don't have a scripture here to give you on, on, on exactly how to spend your money. But let me just give you a couple, three things here to consider. When spending your money, number one, have a budget. Okay? I, I, this is a big area of growth for me is having a budget. It's basically a spending plan. How much money do I make? How much has to go out? Right? How much am I going to give? How much am I going to save? How much is my mortgage? How much is my gas? How much are my groceries? That kind of stuff. And then what's left over? 
What am I going to spend it on? Do I want to go to a movie? Do I need to buy clothes? I don't know. Just have a plan. And in using your plan, here's two things that I want you to do while you're spending money. Use discretion, number one, and use control, number two. Discretion, what's that? It's just the ability to make a good decision. That's discretion. Discretion and control work really good in the framework of a budget. It lets you know what your boundaries are, what your barriers are. What's control? Control is the ability to exercise restraint. Now, hey, this works whether it's in finances or not. Any area of your life, use discretion and control. But with finances, use discretion. Do I need to buy this? No. Okay, can I afford this? Yes. Will I use this? Eh, maybe. I don't know. Control. When we spend money, it's often emotional. Right? We've had a bad day. We're going through a hard time. We want to feel better, so we buy something. We do that with food, too. We do that with sex, as well. Whatever the case may be, we, we, we medicate with it. And I'm asking you to, to use some control and some discretion when it comes to your emotions. And I'm also asking you to invite the Holy Spirit into this process when you spend money. Do, do, am I buying this because I need it, I want it, can afford it, but am I just doing it because it makes me feel better? And if I'm doing that, I'm an emotional spender. And that's not much logic is, is involved in that. I went to buy a car a few years ago, and I took my father with me. I'd never bought a car off of an actual lot. I had bought from friends or, or whatever. And so I took my dad with me, and I get in this car, and I'm driving it, and I'm falling in love with it. You know what I mean? It's like the greatest thing. And I get back, and I'm like, all right, Dad, let's go knock this deal out. And my dad's like, you know, Josh, why don't you just wait? And I'm like, well, Dad, why wait? I, I, I can be impulsive. If you know me or you know people that know me, I just, boom, let's do it, right? I thought about it. I think it was bam. My dad's like, just wait. I'm like, Dad. This is it. And he says, why don't we just go look at other cars? And I'm like, why, Dad? I know. This is it. So I listened to him because he was pretty persistent. He, what, what got me was this. He said, Josh, they need to sell that car a whole lot more than you need to buy it. I said, yeah, you're right, Dad. Let's go. All right. He's going to buy me dinner, too. So that was good. <laughs> so we went out, looked at a few more cars, went and ate. And he's like, call me tomorrow. I'll see where you're at. And so... I called him tomorrow. I'm like, Dad, I really thought about it. Had some time to, to consider it. I think that's a good idea. And he's like, I think it is too. I think it's a really good deal. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this last night? What was cool, though, is I got online to check and see if the car was still available. And they dropped the price of the car $1,000 overnight. And uh, not that that happens in every case. And so I went up there and I'm like, hey, uh, I saw that you dropped the price of the car. But on here it says it's still this. And I'm like, oh, let me check. And so they came out like, yeah, you're right. So we test drove it again. And I ended up getting the car. Uh, what I'll say is this. I didn't have at that time very much discretion or control, but my father sure did. He was my discretion and he was my control. And I listened. Sometimes we don't have the opportunity to take that person with us all of the time. But if you know somebody, man, bring them with you. Big purchase. Bring somebody who don't care about that washer, who doesn't care about that car. They just care about you. They'll talk the stupid out of you. Okay. <laughs> they will talk the stupid out of you if you listen. All right. Sometimes you just got to pray. Pray about it. This may sound weird. Holy Spirit, I'm about ready to walk in this store. You know I've had a bad day. You know I just want to go buy something. I'm gonna t- help me. Talk the stupid out of me, Holy Spirit, before I walk in this store. Help me to exercise discretion and control. You'd be like, oh, I've never prayed that way before in my life. I know. It sounds really goofy, but it'll help you. Help me, Holy Spirit, to adhere to this budget I put in place. And he, God wants to help you with this stuff. He wants you to be successful financially. He wants you to be a good steward. He wants you to be a good manager. Why? Because he wants to give you more. Because if he can get it to you, through you, he will get it to you. But if he can't get it through you, whether you're stingy or you're just foolish with your money, 
Your prayer for more is probably not going to be answered in the way you want it to be answered, but God will teach you to be a great steward and a great manager before he gives you more. So if we'll give some, if we'll save some, and if we'll spend some and have goals with each one of those, I believe we'll be happier, we'll be a little bit more successful, we'll grow, and we'll have more peace. I want 2017, a big accomplishment for all of you this year, is that when you lay your head down at the pillow at night, you can have peace and go to sleep, whether or not you got more money, whether or not all these situations change, because I just want us to all make a decision in our hearts through right now in January, I am going to live different with the help of the Holy Spirit in my life. Amen? Stand with me. Let me pray over you this morning, and we'll, we'll get out of here. Uh, If you need prayer this morning, we'll have some people down here that would love to pray with you over any need that you have. But uh, let me pray over you, and uh, we'll enjoy the rest of this beautiful weekend. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these individuals here today that, that, that listen to this message about finances. Probably wasn't as fun and exciting, and I know it was just super practical, but Lord, would you help us? Help us to be good stewards with our money, God, because if we can steward our money, we can steward our life. And you want to give us influence. You want to give us increase because you want us to make your name great in this community and in our families. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us, help us to give, help us to save, help us uh, to spend well. But Lord, I ask you for your provision. I ask you to provide for every single one of our needs according to your riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. Father, I ask you uh, right now, just pray over anybody that's struggling with sickness in their body. And I thank you, Lord, that you're our healer. David said you heal us of every sickness and every disease. The word says in Isaiah, it's by the stripes of Jesus that we're healed. Father, I ask you if we're battling addictions in this place this morning, that Lord, whether they be, they be drug addictions, whether they be sexual addictions, or whether they be simply as we would maybe not classify it big, but God, we, we struggle with lying. We have an addiction to being critical. We've got an addiction to just tearing others down. Lord, I pray it set us free from all that. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I pray for your protection over us this week as we are out, God, in our jobs. And I pray. God, that we this week, we would, be, we would tap into our identity of who we are in Christ, that we are confident, we are secure, we are accepted and beloved, and we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we pray this in his name. And everybody said, amen. amen.